Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Bridge Bank. Today's Wednesday, September 16th. Snowflake stock is up, gasoline prices are down, despite Hurricane Sally, and we're focused on how 2020 has changed advertising. Yesterday, Kim Kardashian West and about two dozen other celebrities announced that they would not post to their Facebook or Instagram pages today as a protest against the platform's, quote, spreading of hate, propaganda, and misinformation created by groups to sow division and split America apart, end quote. It's basically the continuation of this past July's brand boycott of Facebook, which was not continued into August and reflects what appears to be a broader shift within the advertising industry, which has shrunk considerably during the pandemic. So we wanted to ask Axios media reporter Sarah Fisher about her take on what's not happening today on Facebook and Instagram. So, Sarah, there was this boycott back in July that didn't then go into August. There's this one day, call it a fast, if you want, of Instagram and Facebook by a bunch of celebrities. Basic question, given that none of these are long lasting, do they matter to either Facebook or the ad industry? Yes, because it shows that it's conventional wisdom within the advertising and marketing industries and within the regular people use these products that Facebook and other social media platforms have a toxicity problem. That's what these boycotts represent. But if they have a toxicity problem, and so we're going to leave them Wednesday, but be right back Thursday, if I'm Facebook, don't I think, who cares? Well, the point, according to Jonathan Greenblatt, who's the head of the Anti-Defamation League, one of the key players in the Stop Hate for Profit boycott, is to just ramp up pressure and make more public awareness around the issue so that even if these boycotts don't push the influencers or the advertisers to make long-term changes, maybe it will force regulators to do so. Or maybe it will force regular everyday users to stop using the products as much. Why so much focus on Facebook and Instagram and seemingly none at all on Twitter and YouTube? I asked Greenblatt that yesterday in an interview, and he said that they are more happy with the changes that companies like YouTube and Twitter have made as opposed to Facebook. They point to Twitter banning political advertising outright. They point to YouTube being one of the first platforms to really ban many of the white nationalist accounts. And they say that Facebook only takes action in response to what its peers do. Final question for you. Does this reflect kind of a broader shift in advertising in 2020 in terms of where brands are going to be advertising going forward? It's absolutely a significant shift moving forward for the advertising agency. A few years ago, Dan, all the ad agency was really focused on was measurement and attribution. How do we squeeze all the dollars that we can out of these platforms? But today, the main focus is brand safety. How do we ensure that our messages aren't aligned against things like hate speech? And so the advertising industry has shifted dramatically from caring about performance to caring a lot more about perception. Today, we also want to go a bit broader than just Facebook and to the overall ad industry, which has been hemorrhaging jobs and business since the pandemic began. We do that in 15 seconds with Rob Farinella, president and CEO of Blue Sky Agency an Atlanta-based ad firm whose clients include Coke and the Weather Channel. But first, this. We're joined now by Rob Farinella, president and CEO of Blue Sky Agency. 
there was a point of view by some brands and some in the ad world going into that July boycott of Facebook that maybe social media ads, at least as currently constituted, don't necessarily work that well. And maybe if we take a month off, we can kind of test that theory by actually leaving some social media platforms. I'm curious your point of view on that. Did the July boycott teach the ad industry anything about, if not Facebook specifically, social media advertising in general? I really don't think so. I think what they did is they realized that it's the content of the ads, how their ads might speak to a social issue, as opposed to the environment that the ads are in, that if they choose to voice themselves around something socially, they can control what they say, but they can't control what's around them. When, as you just said, with brands wanting to speak to social issues, there obviously have been examples of that in the past with particular brands and particular issues. But it feels right now like most consumer-facing brands, or at least a high percentage of them, are speaking to social issues in a way that at least I don't remember them doing previously. Yes, I think they are. I think they're doing it carefully. Certainly, the uh, aptitude to test the waters there has been really, really prevalent in the past few months. But I do think that that will uh, they're going to have to very carefully be mindful of the entirety of their audience and how it impacts that. And I'm sure there's a lot of studies going on right now. 2020 has been a year that has reshaped a lot of industries, maybe permanently. For the ad industry, one of the most obvious or immediate things is a downsizing in terms of the amount of layoffs there have been overall. Do you expect that from a headcount perspective, the industry is going to bounce back? Or is this a, at least for the foreseeable future, smaller industry? I think it's been an industry in recession for a number of years. I think when you consider jobs, I think the advertising agencies, that industry has been losing jobs to in-house agencies at corporations. They've been losing jobs to consultancies. So I think this is the continuation of the smaller agency that's uh, more efficient, that's more agile, quicker. Do I think there'll be a continual loss of jobs? I think there'll be a continuation of building more kind of muscular, no-fat agencies. I wonder, within that, kind of more muscular industries, I mean, are you then saying consolidation? Are you expecting that among firms that do exist today? Yes, I do think there'll be some consolidation. Some of the consulting companies gobbling up agencies. I think the holding companies will, you know, may in fact shrink. But I think there's a little bit more of a leveling of playing fields where smaller agencies that can be nimble and adjust to the times are going to be highly sought after as well. While there, yes, absolutely size consolidation, but I think it's going to remain a very competitive industry. And I think as far as mergers, no one wants to sell their business in the midst of a global pandemic. So I think, you know, the appetite for what's available, it's not the best time to monetize an agency. You talked about being nimble and kind of being able to adjust to the times. Is that more on the creative side in terms of type of ads or more on the placement in terms of kind of figuring out where those ads perform best? I think both. I mean, I think we're in an always-on world. I think culture shapes where we should be and how we say it sometimes. So certainly, if a buy needs to shift, it could be done, you know, overnight. I think if a uh, message needs to change, it's happening all the time. So yeah, nimble while you like to think best case scenario months ahead that you're prepared in this kind of new competitive always on world for the changes that need to be made based on what could be a new story or a platform change or a flare up on one of the platforms. Rob, final question for you. Back in March and April, we saw certain kinds of consumer products, business to business products 
really slash spend on everything just out of fear that they didn't know what was going to come next. Do you feel that the ad spend piece of the market, what customers are spending, has that climbed back out of the trough? I think slowly, but I think it will. I think right now, no. I mean, I think it's going to take some time. I think it's going to take some time for everything to recover. But I think that there are new options in advertising that have never been available before. When you can combine scale that some of these new streaming services are offering with measurement and targeting, you can track a buy now to the cash register. And if I'm tracking buys to the cash register, I'm going to invest. So it could proliferate more spending of really, really robust ad bundles. If you think about what some of these conglomerates deliver an enormous amount of content in a way that wasn't available just years ago, and they can do it in such a targeted way, in such a measurable way, that that's the future of advertising. Ad tech has caught up with the robust entertainment options. There's a million options. Now you can measure them. Rob Farinella, president and CEO of Blue Sky Agency. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Snowflake, a Silicon Valley upstart that just raised the largest software IPO of all time. And then when it began trading this morning, the stock price more than doubled, giving it a valuation north of $80 billion. Now, Snowflake is basically in the business of taking legacy data workflows and moving them to the cloud. And they've got lots of competition there from IBM to Amazon. But the real lesson of Snowflake's IPO is that it helps to have Warren Buffett involved. Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway last week said it would buy $500 million of Snowflake stock in the IPO, making it the first time Berkshire has ever invested in a tech IPO, let alone a tech IPO for an unprofitable company. So far, it's paying off big, both for Snowflake and for Buffett. Today, we're also continuing to watch the TikTok saga. The latest is that there is now a growing number of Republican senators who oppose the proposed workaround deal with Oracle. There are six of them, including Marco Rubio and John Cornyn. The bottom line, odds are still that a deal will get done, but it is no sure bet. And finally today, we are watching the battle of two new alcoholic drinks that you would never admit to wanting to try, but which you kind of want to try. The first is the Dugarita, which is Red Lobster's new margarita that is made with Mountain Dew. It is green, but not regular green, kind of that freaky nuclear green. The other is Jalapeno Noir, a new wine made by Taco Bell. If you missed that, I said a new wine made by Taco Bell. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven. Have a great national guacamole day which would go great with either a Dugarita or a Jalapeno Noir. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.